0: He is Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you, uh, men, for singing for us. When Peter got up to do the Bible reading, I uh, had a panic. Reached in my pocket to get my glasses. Guess what? They weren't there. (laughs) Fortunately, I have a second pair, you know, 2010, out in the car. And they're not the best glasses, but they'll do for today. I can't see you, but uh, I can. So I'll be able to see what's on the on the page. So, all right, let's turn to Philippians chapter three. Thank Peter for reading, and um, for those of you who don't know, um, six and a half years ago, Trish was diagnosed with cancer, and she was on her way home from America at the time. And Brother Darrell, when he came back. He came to me Sunday morning in church here, and he handed me this tie. And he said, Trish wants you to wear this tie when you preach from now on. And at that stage, we didn't know that we would even see Trish again in church. And Daryl gave it to me. said, Trish wanted to give this to you personally, but she's not able to. I'm giving it to you and asking, would you wear it when you preach? Because I've preached on sheep a little bit, as you know. And, uh, well, it's biblical, isn't it? 800 times they're mentioned in the Bible. And pastor gave me uh, liberty last week. He spoke about Job's 7,000 sheep. And he said, Br- Brother Robin's salivating down there. And I thought, well, I'm just going to preach on sheep every time I get up. Well, not quite. But, you know. Anyway, uh, Trish gave me this tie. It's got black sheep all over it, which is all of us, isn't it? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And one white sheep in the middle, that's Jesus. And all around is blood and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And so I wear this tie with pride in remembrance now of Trish. But I've worn it for six and a half years, prayed for her every time I've worn it. And uh, now we can thank the Lord, can't we, that she's in heaven with him. And uh, as brother, as pastor said, you know, this is not the funeral, this is church. And I pondered about what to preach and thought Trish would say, just preach what you had on your heart, Brother Robin. And uh, so it, 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 this is a, probably a strange message, but it makes it going to preach on dogs, not sheep. <laughs> You'll notice in our text, it says in verse 2, beware of dogs. We'll get into it in a minute, but let's have a word of prayer, shall we? And, um, and we'll ask the Lord's help. We'll thank the Lord for Trisha's life and her testimony and uh, her, her influence, even though she's still not with us. Lord, we just want to thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that we're in church today. Thank you that Brother Darrell's here too. I know he's missed being here for many weeks, so. Lord, we thank you for the care, though, that you enabled him to give to Trish week after week, being there with her, being there for her. Lord, we just looking after her physical needs day after day. We thank you for that. And, Lord, we just pray your blessing, especially upon him today, your strength for him. But we do thank you for Trish. We thank you for her testimony. Lord, I was with a lady the other day who knew of Trish but never met her. And Lord, Trish's voice has spoken to her, I know. We thank you for that. But we thank you now that she's in heaven with you, rejoicing in the presence of the angels and rejoicing at the throne of Jesus, rejoicing in the mansion that you've prepared for her. And Lord, we just want to rejoice too. Help us, Lord, even though this is a sombre time, But Lord help us to rejoice and Lord that we might take the example that Trish has shown us and face death with courage, face the future with courage and walk with Jesus holding our hands that we'll be able to face whatever comes. So we just thank you for the remembrance of Trish, and we just pray that you'd guide us now as we look at your word in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, Philippians chapter 3, let's just look at our our, our verses just briefly. You'll notice, you know, in these verses, Paul is speaking to the Philippians and, and he says, "'Rejoice in the Lord, finally, my brethren.'" You know, I'm amazed how many times the Apostle Paul says, finally, and then he keeps writing another chapter or two, you know. But uh, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, you know, and that's what we're doing this morning, rejoicing in the Lord, aren't we? To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. In verse 3, have a look at this, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. We can really only rejoice in the Lord if we are first in Christ Jesus. And then you can rejoice every day in the Lord and have no confidence in the flesh. You know, I remember speaking to Trish one day, sit down here, I sat next to her and she said, "You know, I thank God for my cancer." That's that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? But she said, I thank God for my cancer. It's drawn me closer to the Lord. Trish was in Christ. She knew Christ as her Saviour. And she was not afraid of dying. And she showed us that. She rejoiced in Christ Jesus. She had no confidence in her flesh, her flesh was failing her day by day. But she rejoiced in Christ Jesus. And now she rejoices. In the presence of the Lord. Okay, how do I get to dogs? Well, you notice, you know, there's two verses that mention rejoicing, and then sandwiched in between those two verses, you know, often this is like this in in Scripture: we'll have a negative, but it'll be sandwiched between two positives. And uh, here, in the middle of of two positives, the the apostle Paul puts this this sliver of, well, it's not ham, is it? And it's not cheese, but this sliver, you know, between the two positives, he put this sliver in of of, uh, dogs. Beware of dogs. And then he sort of expands on it and says, beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Oh, my. Stuff that, you know, we don't speak about in English, do we? But he sort of puts it in there between two positives of rejoicing. And he says, well, you've just got to eat it. You've just got to do it, you know. You've just got to face it. And brethren, that's life. I'm afraid it's life. We get saved. We know the Lord Jesus is our Saviour. You've got to take these things off. can't see you. We get saved and we rejoice in our Lord Jesus, but there's pitfalls all along the way. There's obstacles all along the way in this Christian life. And there's dogs. Well, what are the dogs, Brother Robin? Well, the dogs here are false prophets, that's what they are. False teachers. Because he goes on and says, Beware of evil workers, beware of the concision and the concision here is the mutilation or those that were coming behind the apostle Paul and preaching another gospel really that's what they were doing they were coming behind and saying well yeah you you're saved but 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 but, but now you need to and they were going on and saying now you've got to become jews because see these this these gentile believers here in philippi and in a minute we'll go to galatians but um, um, these these uh, These these Jewish teachers, what they were, were coming from Jerusalem and they seemed to be coming after Paul. Wherever Paul went, they thought, oh, here's fresh ground for us to chew up. And they went after Paul where he'd preached and then they preached after him and said, oh, yeah, okay, well, you're, you're saved now, but now you've got to become a Jew. Now you've got to become circumcised. And so what they were doing, they were adding to the gospel. But, you know, you can never add to the gospel in adding to the gospel, you really take away. And you actually destroy the gospel. And that's what these teachers were doing. And Paul says, beware. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. And so they were coming in saying, well, now you've got to be circumcised. uh, You've got to keep the law. But they didn't tell the whole truth. They didn't tell the rest of the story, the fact that for 2,000 years they'd had the law and they hadn't been able to keep it. None of them kept it. And only those that had faith in God beyond the law were saved. Only those that trusted God for their salvation, not the law. The law, the scriptures tell us, is the schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And David knew that. All the other prophets knew that. They knew that they couldn't keep the law. But these, these evil workers, the scriptures tell us, were coming behind Paul and preaching, you've, you've now got to be circumcised. You've got to do this, you've got to do that, and you've got to do whatever else. And brethren, that happens amongst us too, sadly. Someone gets saved and then someone well-meaning or not well-meaning comes alongside of them. Oh, well, it's wonderful you were saved, but, you know, now you've got to do this, you've got to do that. Don't eat this, don't eat that. You know, keep this day, keep that day. And uh, you've got to get on your knees three times a day. You've got to pray in a certain way. You've got to uh, read your Bible a certain amount of time and so forth. And, you know, they're actually adding to the gospel and in doing so, taking away from our liberty which is in Christ. Come with me to Galatians. Galatians. I said I was going to preach about dogs, didn't I? I haven't really got there yet, have we? Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. When I sort of looked at that word dogs there and I thought, you know, dogs are man's best friend, don't they? Dogs are sort of, uh, you know, our companions. And I saw the other day that 40% of Australian homes have a dog. Many of us have more than one dog, don't we? You know, <laughs> We have dogs, plural. And they're our best friends, you know, or our, be- our kids' best friends or whatever. But, you know, then I also noticed that two, two people in Australia die from dog bites every year. And 13,000, 13,000 people in Australia end up in hospital from dog attacks every year. That's staggering, isn't it? And yet dogs are our best friend. Hmm, okay. Galatians chapter 5. This is a great chapter. But remember, Galatians is written to a church, one of the first churches that the Apostle Paul uh, planted and, and uh, preached there and many got saved, but then these... Circumcision fellows came from Jerusalem saying to the believers there, oh yeah, but now you've got to be circumcised. And look what the Apostle Paul says in verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? You did run well. Who? Who did hinder you? He asked that question. Who hindered you? Look down at verse 10. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded, but He that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. The Apostle Paul was sort of saying, you know, there's somebody now amongst you, whoever he is, whosoever he be. Look in verse 12. I would they were even cut off, which trouble you. The Apostle Paul was saying they need to be got out. They need to be got out. And look down, just follow with me. I'm going to read down through to verse 15. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. We have liberty in Christ. Freedom in Christ. When we get saved, we're free in Christ. Our sins are forgiven. They're washed away. We're cleansed in the blood. We're not under bondage anymore. Look up in verse 1. Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Paul realised now after he'd got saved that the law was a yoke of bondage that he'd been brought up in, he'd been taught in and he'd zealously defended for many years, killed Christians in his zeal but he's saying, hang on, I was actually in bondage. I was lost as a goose and I was not saved. But now I'm free in Christ. And he says, he says you're free in Christ if you've believed on him as your saviour. You don't have to be mutilated now. Now, I just want to put in a little caveat here. All men here, if you're circumcised, don't worry about it. It's okay, all right? You were probably circumcised by your parents for health reasons or whatever reason, but probably not for religious reasons, okay? And you're not, you're not under bo- any bondage if you've been circumcised. I personally am circumcised, if you're wondering. <laughs> and it's not a problem. My mum and dad did it primarily for health reasons. I can remember them telling me, you know, they've heard, they saw awful stories of men, particularly that went through the wars because they couldn't keep themselves clean, you know, in the wars. They got awful, awful um, infections. And I can remember my mum telling me, you're circumcised because we believed it was easier for you to keep yourself clean. All right, that's over. <laughs> Let's go on. So I wasn't circumcised to keep the law or anything like that. And, uh, and, but Paul was saying, listen, you fellows in, in Galatia, you grew up not knowing these things at all and you, you're free in Christ. You don't have to be circumcised. He had Timothy circumcised simply because so that it wouldn't be an offence to the Jews where he went on. Um, but that's another story. Let's leave it there. We've got to get to dogs, don't we? But anyway, Paul says, look, you're free. Look in verse 13. I said we're going to read from verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. Boy, doesn't that tell us a lot, you know? Walk with each other. Walk with each other as neighbours. Treat others as you would want to be treated yourself. I don't want a pile of extra laws added upon top of me now that I've become saved, so I'm not going to do that to others. That's easy, isn't it? Look at verse 15. But if ye bite and devour one another... Take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. That sounds a bit doggish, doesn't it? You know, biting, remember I said? 13,000 people in Australia, and we're just talking about physical dog bites there. 13,000 people a year in Australia end up in hospital because of dog bites. Well, in the spiritual... How many people get bitten by dogs and get wounded big time? Brethren, it happens a lot. And obviously, here, because these fellows had come from Jerusalem and they'd stirred up the church in Galatia and said, now you've got to do this, you've got to do that, and you've got to, you know, you've got to keep the law and what have you, and it began to sort of it ate in at the congregation. And and they began then, not just the fella, whoever he was, or fellows or families, whatever it was. He said, you know, who did hinder you, Uh, whosoever he be? uh, I would they were cut off, which trouble you. But then, obviously, it sort of began to spread in the congregation and the congregation began to bite each other. And he gives a warning, he says, but if ye bite and devour one another... Take heed that you be not consumed one of another. You know, that sounds like church dying, doesn't it? Chewing itself up. And it happens. It happens, brethren. You know, Paul, as a good shepherd, as a good under-shepherd under the Lord Jesus, was thinking, hang on, that dog needs to be got out. And a good shepherd does that. A good shepherd, when he sees a dog that's doing wrong, gets rid of it, gets rid of it. I was down in Canberra three weeks ago and preached at um, Queenby and Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Byers wanted me to speak to the men there on Saturday night. He got, got as many of the men as he could together and guess what I spoke to them about? <laughs> sheep. <laughs> but anyway, I mentioned sheep dogs. I, uh, I said to uh, Pastor Byers, I said, do you know sheepdogs are in the Bible? He said, no, really? I said, yeah, Job 30, verse 1. Really? Yeah. We'll go there in a minute. Anyway, uh, one of the men afterwards, he said to Pastor Byers, he said, so, so you're the shepherd? He said, he said, we're the sheepdogs. We're your sheepdogs, you know, to bring people to, to the Lord and bring people in. Yeah, he said, well, why don't you obey me? <laughs> he really cooked his goose. <laughs> but anyway. But see, see, that's the story here, you know. we as a congregation can actually become dogs. You know, it's a funny thing, isn't it? We're sheep, but we can also be dogs, you know. Like Jesus is the lamb when the lamb becomes the light. The lamb's the lion, also. All right, so we bite and devour. I, I did a bit of a study, you know, on this this uh, dog business, and uh, the majority. Come with me to, to uh, Exodus chapter eleven while we while we're talking. Exodus chapter eleven, and I did a bit of a look at dogs through the scriptures, and the majority of the references to dogs are not pretty. But I gave you an illusion that there is an occasional good reference because uh, there is sheep dogs in the Bible. Uh, but here in Exodus chapter 11, this is the first reference to dog in the Bible. There's about 55, 56 references to dogs in the Bible, including uh, wolves and, and uh, foxes. and um, I'm not sure that there's other, other sorts of dogs in the Bible. I couldn't find jackal. Um, I'm not sure whether there's others, but but here in Exodus chapter 11 is the first reference to dog in the Bible, and uh, Moses is speaking to Pharaoh, and he's telling him about the firstborn about to die, all the firstborn in Egypt. And look in verse 7, it says, but against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye, and this is interesting, that ye He's speaking to Pharaoh, right? Moses is looking Pharaoh in the eye and he says that ye, you, Pharaoh, may know and ye, all of Egypt, all of Egypt may know that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. You know, all of the judgments of, against Egypt were, were, were showing very clearly that their gods were false. And one of the gods of Egypt is Anubis, I think he's called. Anubis. And he's the, the, you know, the man with the jackal head. The jackal head. And he's the the god that looks over the dead. And it was was Anubis. They always have that that jackal head when when they're um, uh, mummifying and so forth. And uh, evidently the jackals run amongst the graveyards. And, and yip at nights and what have you, and they say they look over the dead. Well, what a lot of baloney. But anyway, so so Moses is saying to Pharaoh, you may know that your God's a false God. You know, he's a false prophet, false gods, false dogs. Okay? And he's saying that that the dogs even aren't going to bark at Israel as they leave. Isn't that amazing? That's the power of God. I mean, dogs always bark, don't they? when you want them to or when you don't. The other day I was, uh, beware of the dog. You know, you see it on the, on, the, on the post or on the gate when you go to someone's house, beware of the dog. And then the dog starts barking. I was leaflet dropping the other day in, in Eaton's Hill putting um, tracks in letterboxes and this huge dog came roaring out the gate and he, whomp, latched onto me. Well, I just froze, <laughs> stood there. Fortunately, his owner was right behind him. And, and got him off. Oh, sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Yeah, beware of the dog. <laughs> anyway, the dogs always bark, always sort of, you know, and they're a good guard dog. Good, there's a time for a dog to bark. Moses said not even a dog's going to bark in, his, in Egypt this night. Anubis is a false god, That's what he was saying as well, to Pharaoh, that you may know. That God puts a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Like I said, most of the references to dogs in the Bible are not pretty. Are not pretty. Throughout throughout the the kings, you know, when, when David came up against Goliath, what did Goliath say to David? Am I a dog? That you should come to me with sticks? I wonder what David was thinking. Well, actually, you are. (laughs) You've defied the armies of the living God. You've defied the Lord of heaven. You really are a dog. But he didn't say it. But but it's interesting, a few chapters later, David says to Saul, you know, when he's being, being chased by Saul in the desert. And in chapter 24, 1 Samuel 24, David says, am I a dog? Why are you chasing me like a dog, you know? I'm a, a dead flea, just, just leave me alone, forget about me. Go back so, to uh, uh, Abner. Abner, when he, he, he gets accused of Ishbosheth by, of uh, doing something wrong, Abner says, am I a dog's head? Am I a dog's head? Mephibosheth, when David calls Mephibosheth in and wants to show him a kindness, he says, why are you showing such a kindness to such a, a dead dog as I am? Mephibosheth calls himself Abishai when uh, David is fleeing Jerusalem when uh, Absalom is about to take over Jerusalem and and Shimei is is barking you know Shimei is on the hillside casting stones and dirt at David and and uh, Abishai says king just let me at him why should this dead dog criticize my lord like this David says leave him alone for now but, you know, then uh, through the kings, through the kings, this is really quite interesting, but in the, in the kings, dogs are always mentioned in reference to the kings that God is going to wipe out. Jeroboam, Bashar, and then um, uh, Jezebel, Ahab. Ahab. And, uh, and through the prophets, they prophesy that all of the descendants of those three kings, Jeroboam, Bashar, and Ahab, If they die in the city, the dogs shall eat them. If they die out in the field, the birds of the air shall eat their carcasses. And then specifically, and I don't know, it's about three times, it's prophesied and mentioned that, and Elijah particularly prophesies it, that that, uh, Jezebel will die by the wall of Jezreel and the dogs shall eat her. It ain't pretty, is it, folks? You know, dogs are sort of looked on as, as real, you know, scavenging mongrels. Scavenging mongrels. Are there any good dogs in the Bible, Brother Robin? Come with me to Job. I want to show you this. Job, Job. Pastor gave me liberty to do this last week. He mentioned Brother Robin will be salivating about sheep and Job's 7,000. Well, I am. I had 7,000 sheep before we left Rockwell. I looked after 7,000 sheep anyway and sold them. We rounded them all up. Boy, I'd love to have 7,000 sheep now. You know, lambs got hit a record of $300 the other day at Wagga Wagga. $300 for an old lamb, would have been nearly 12 months old, cracking their two teeth, and they dressed at 42 kilos. That's a huge lamb. Average sheep dresses about 18 to 20 kilos. So they were big lambs. But uh, boy, I'd love to have 7,000 sheep right now. But uh, anyway, that's not a story. Job had 7,000 sheep. He lost them. He ended up at the end with 14,000. Look at verse chapter 30 in verse 1. This is in the middle of Job's uh, suffering. But he, and he says, but now they that are younger than I have me in derision. He's speaking about the three friends or the three unfriends. Whose fathers I would have disdained to have set with the dogs of my flock. Job had dogs, had sheepdogs, to look after his flock or to help with the work of looking after his flock. And he was saying, these fellas, I wouldn't have put their dads in charge of my dogs. You know what? You put the wrong man in charge of a good sheepdog and within within a day you can ruin that dog. That's what happens. Brother Phil's nodding, he knows. You get a good dog... You've got to look after him. There are good dogs and brethren, you and I can be a good dog or a bad dog. We can become a barking, yapping little dog that's sort of, you know, always sort of in the way, always carping, barking, you know, sowing discord among the brethren. That sort of dog. Or we can be a good dog before we finish and I want to go to, la- to one more actually let's go there now let's go to Revelation this is the last reference of dog in the Bible so we're not going to look at all references but this is the last reference then I want to tell you a story of two dogs Revelation 22 I really believe that the I've I've shown you. I think that you know, dogs. The majority of references of the dog of dogs in the Bible are speaking about false prophets. False prophets. Moses said to Pharaoh, "Beware of the dogs." You know, in other terms, he said that, didn't he? You know, your dogs are false. They're false prophets. You're, you're, the Anubis is a false, false uh, god. Paul said to the uh, Philippians and the Galatians, beware of the dogs. Beware of the dogs. Jesus, I haven't mentioned this one, Jesus in, in, in Matthew chapter 7 says, uh, give not that which is holy unto dogs. And then in the same chapter in, in verse 15, he says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they wear the dog. The dogs are false dogs. Okay? So beware of the dog. The dog's a false prophet in Egypt. Beware of the dogs, Jesus says. Give not that which is holy to dogs. Beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Paul says beware of the dogs in Philipp, ph- to the Philippians and the Galatians and all the other churches as well. Look in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 15. For without are dogs. At the head of the list, we'll read the rest, but for without, this is out, out of heaven. There's no dogs in heaven where Trish is now. There's no false prophets. But she had to walk through this earth, she had to walk her journey of faith after she got saved and came here to this church because she knew that this was a place where she'd be protected from the dogs. She walked her journey aware of the dogs. And brethren, you and I need to be aware of the dogs. This is a somber message, but I also, you know, today we rejoice, don't we, as to where Trish is. It's a somber message also, though, for us, the living. We've got to go on from here. And we've got to walk until we see Jesus. You know, we've got to go through the valleys and the the hills. We've got to do the rest of this journey. We don't know how long that will be until we get to be where Trish is. But in heaven there are no dogs. There are no false prophets. For without our dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers, and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. We, that list we can understand, can't we, before the first one? Like it sort of, it, it, it tells us, you know, the sins. It tells us the sins of the indicative sins or the the, the full-blown sins amongst the people there, sorcery whoremongering, murdering, yeah, I understand all that. They ought to be without. Oh, hang on, you know, I, I was some of those things before I got saved. Oh, thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that cleansed me from my sin. Oh, wow. Cleansed me from being some of those things, you know whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. But the head of the list is dogs, false prophets, wolves in sheep's clothing. Brethren, if I take it a step further, even in our saved state, even as brethren together, I heard this once, you know, within each one of us there's a little bit of Pharisee. It can rise up within us, even as a saved person, and we become pharisaical. Let me say this, within each one of us there's a capacity to be a dog as well. And to yip and bite and to hurt others. I said I'd finish off with a story of dogs, didn't I? I had two dogs. I had more than that. But when we, when we got to Rockwell, um, I had one good dog, one really good dog. His name was Kelly. Aaron's been waiting for me to mention Kelly from the pulpit. I sort of held off for a long time. But Kelly was a good dog. He was a He was a natural, you know. We got him as a puppy and And I can remember the first day I took him out on the motorbike. I taught him to jump up on the petrol tank in front of me and sit there. And I had an old dog at the time, Red, and he'd jump up on the back and we'd go, you know, looking around the farm, doing whatever. Anyway, this one day I had Kelly with me on my lap, Red behind, and we came up across a mob of goats. And, you know, goats are there for harvest when when there's the opportunity. And I don't know, there was 20 or, 30 mob of, 20 or 30 in this mob of goats and I sent Red off to sort of head them off and, and get them under control and, and Kelly was there just as a pup. He was, just, he was a learner and I just took him along as a, as a learner dog, you know, hoping that he'd become a good sheepdog. Anyway, you know, as Red got control of that mob of goats, Kelly just jumped off without me asking him to and he, and he ran off and I thought, oh... This could be interesting, but I let him go. And, you know, he just went to the head of the goats just like a good dog would, and he held them up with red. I called him. He came back to me, jumped up on the petrol tank. I thought, phew, this bloke knows what he's doing. And he became my best dog. He was was just a natural. He and I got to understand each other. I think I've told you before, I wasn't a good dog handler. But uh, he understood me. When I said, you dirty flea-bitten mongrel, he knew what I meant. <laughs> and uh, get up here, and he'd get that up there. Come here, you He just, he came, you know. He knew. I, I wasn't a good dog handler, but he knew, and he understood me, and we got on well. You know, I could tell him, get him, and he would jump off, and he would get that one sheep, or that one goat, grab it by the throat, and hold it till I got there? He was magic. He disappeared one day. He had one fault. I probably began from that first day when he chased goats. Whenever we'd be chasing sheep and rounding up sheep and bringing them into the yards, and, you know, we were out in big paddocks, some of the paddocks were 25,000 acres, so I couldn't see him all the time. And uh, he'd be around that side of the sheep or whatever and I'd be on that side on the motorbike. And if he got a sniff of goats, he'd leave me. And he'd go and chase goats. And I, you know, by the time I realised he was not with me and the mob, he could be how long far away? I wouldn't know. You know, he'd he'd always try and bring them to me but sometimes he just, he couldn't. And if I couldn't see him or hear him, I'd switch off the motorbike and I couldn't hear him, I'd just quit and go home. If I could handle the sheep on my own, I took them home. I once had to walk a mob of sheep 10 k's on my own without my dog. I managed, I got him there. But in the meantime, he'd gone off. I think he got distracted by some goats. But usually what I would do was, uh, well, I'd just do my job, go home and within a day he'd come home because he realised, well, boss isn't here, and he'd eventually quit and he'd come home. Well, the particular day that I had to walk 10 Ks with the mob of sheep without him, and it was nearly 20 Ks from the homestead, and I thought, well, Kelly, I went back to try and find him, couldn't find him, whistled, called, you name it, did it, drove around, rode around, no Kelly. Oh, well, you'll have to make your own way home. Well, he never showed up, never came home. And I don't know what happened to him. He died out there in the paddock. Uh, Probably a heart attack, possibly heartworm, don't know. I went looking for him for days, never found him. Asked all the neighbours, no one knew where he was. Anyway, he was a faithful dog, you know. I faithfully paid him every day. I put aside $300 in his bank account every day. No, I didn't. <laughs> Do you know, he worked for me for eight years, nearly eight years, faithfully for a piece of meat every day. A piece of kangaroo or a piece of emu. He loved emu. Emu made make him really shine. A lot of oil, you know, in the meat. He was a faithful dog. He was a really good dog. Do you know, he had some pups, him and a, a lady dog that we had. Had some pups, and I thought, I'll oh, keep these pups, they'll be good. They've got a good father, and the mother was half reasonable. <laughs> you know, I don't say that derogatorily, she just wasn't as good a dog as he was, all right? But anyway, I thought, I'll get a good pup out of these dogs. You know, I never got one good pup. The only person that got one good pup out of them was the neighbour. I gave him a, a pup and uh, he said to me weeks later, he said, you know, that dog's a natural. I said, well, I wish I'd have kept him. <laughs> the one I kept, he was a beautiful looking dog. He looked a lot like his father. He had a bit more shaggy coat on him, but he was red. I called him Rusty. You know, he was useless. <laughs> I tried and I tried to teach that dog. He was half reasonable in the yards but I used to have to put, put a muzzle on him even in the yards because he had this bad habit of jumping at the sheep and, and latching onto the wool and he'd pull out a tuft of wool. I tried and I tried to get that out of him to stop him doing it you know and I had, just had to put a muzzle. He could even do it with a muzzle on well, I took that dog, Rusty, like I did with Kelly out on the bike and I'd take him out, try, you know, I'd have Kelly on the back, Rusty on the front, trying to teach this pup. You know, he would not obey, he would not come to me when I called him. I'd have to, run, I'd have to ride into his path and stop him. And it was a waste of time. I should have really learned quickly and done what Paul said needed to be done to that feller in Galatia. He needs to be got rid of. I didn't do it quick enough. Well, after one unsuccessful day out in the paddock, I let him go one day just to see what would happen, you know. I didn't ride in front of him and stop him because he'd just ride around, he'd just run around. He wouldn't come back when I called him back, and he just kept running. I thought, well, I'll let him go one day, I'll see what happens. He just went round and round that mop, and he got faster and faster and closer and closer. And all of a sudden, the sheep went into 20 different mobs all over the place. And he went through the middle. Oh, well, that's a waste of time, isn't it? So I went and got him, took him home, chained him up and thought, what do I do? I shouldn't have thought about it. You know, three days later, we went off on a family picnic and Rusty was home on the chain and Well, he broke the chain, didn't he? Lydia had three pet lambs that were running around the house that she'd raised from a bottle. Lydia just loved raising lambs. Well, Rusty got off the chain and guess what he did? He rounded up the lambs, didn't he? But he didn't just round them up. You know, he lunged at them like he did in the yards, pulling out pieces of wool. But not only did he lunge at him, just getting pieces of wool and he would have been running round and faster and faster and his eye teeth obviously caught the side of the lamb and went down its stomach and then the lamb's stomach came out. When we got home, there was one dead under a tree and another one walking around with his stomach dragging behind him. Well, it didn't take me much then to know what I needed to do. Brethren, if we're not careful, that's the sort of thing you and I can do to each other. You know, it said there, if ye bite and devour one another, that's what we can do, sadly. I I just say that to to you today as a sombre warning, as a sombre sort of a message, but you know, we want to rejoice where Trish is. She, she's in heaven. But she's had to walk that walk. You and I are still on that walk. But beware of the dog. Moses said it to Pharaoh. Your dog, God, is false. Jesus said, beware of the dogs. Don't cast that which is holy under dogs and beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. But they're inwardly ravening wolves. Paul said, Beware of the dogs. False prophets. Where are the false prophets? Not in heaven. Not in heaven. Trish is not bothered by the dogs anymore. Let's pray, shall we? I think we might not have a song this morning. We might just dismiss. As I pray, if you want to come to the altar for any reason, whatever, just come and and if you don't, that's fine. Just, Just pray with me and and then uh, we'll dismiss unless Andrew wants to needs to come up but lord we just want to thank you for your goodness to us today we thank you for your mercy to us and we thank you lord for your provision in our savior the lord jesus we just thank you that you saved us from the dogs you saved us from false teaching Lord, you saved us under liberty. You saved us to walk with you until you should call us home. But Lord, we are still in this world and uh, you've given us warning about the dogs, false prophets. Father, help us to be very aware not to run from them, but to stand and keep our eyes firmly upon Jesus and, Lord, if necessary, to enlist some help to get rid of the dog. Lord, if we're not saved this morning, anybody here that's not saved, and you know it, you know it, and perhaps you've been saying, well, I'm not going to come to Jesus because... Well there's dogs down in that church. Yeah, you're right. There's always been dogs in the church. There was in Jesus day many false prophets. Many of the religious leaders were false they were teaching people falsities. They were trying to they were saying you to get to heaven you had to keep the law and none of them could keep the law. And you're thinking today, well, I don't want to go to that church. Because there's false people down there. People that don't live up to their faith like Trish did. You're right. Those people are in church. But would you end up with them in hell? Why would you do that? There is a true faith in Jesus. Won't you believe on him? And save yourself from the message of the dog. Be saved. And then you'll be in heaven with Trish one day. If you refuse it, the excuse won't stand up when you get before God and you'll end up with the dogs anyway. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. Oh Lord, help us, we pray. Help us to just walk with you day by day in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And we will thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.